0: it's the true penny show with your host james true penny hello and welcome to the true penny show my name is james true penny this is my show and today we're talking about new japan and we're talking about new japan strong the three episode series from new japan pro wrestling you can find on new japan world um, and join me to discuss this today is Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are you doing, sir?
1: Good. Glad to be here. I had to join you for the USA side of things. <laughs>
0: it's, it's been an interesting kind of show. I was Last week we talked to Adara about what's been happening in Japan on the Summer Struggle Tour. And New Japan were kind of stuck because half their roster is more or less based in the U.S. Even some of their Japanese wrestlers, certainly Kenta, is based in the U.S. So it seemed like the obvious thing to do. Now they have a dojo in California and they have production access. Why don't we do a show here? Like in the sense of an old 1930s musical. Uh, And it has been a relative success. What are your thoughts on it, Marcus? Before we get into the details, what were your thoughts when you heard about New Japan doing an old school Memphis style TV show, a Southern wrestling TV show?
1: I dug it. You know, we, we've we been talking about the New Japan's, um, you know, um, American expansion for, for a while. And, you know, we've been seeing it from the earliest stages. And, you know, obviously it was getting revved up prior to COVID, as it seems like everything was. But, you know, they, they've had to, you know, like everybody else, pivot. And I think they've been one of the better leaders in that regard, specifically in wrestling. Um, yeah, like you said, they, they kind of had to, you know, uh, look at the chessboard and see. You know exactly what pieces can go where right now because, like you said, a lot of their uh, talent is based in the U.S. So, you know, it seems only right that if they could, they could kind of, you know, run up something like this uh, with some some quality talent. Um, and even though obviously the goal would be to, you know, sell high tickets in front of high crowds, but that's just not the case right now. So, I thought this was a good introduction into seeing what, you know, uh, we could get in the future, maybe not on to the ramped up level that we get we used to in new japan but you know i think it's <laughs> a solid album to give us a taste yeah i, I think this is the thing it's uh,
0: there were some problems with this obviously because like even in the japanese show there's a crowd and even though they're a quiet crowd because they've been asked to be quiet they can't make too much noise because that spreads germs they ask the the crowd and it is, it's kind of old school, but it, it, it does add to atmosphere and gives reason for these things to happen because pro wrestling is a performance art. You need to perform in front of people to make this work. Uh, but let's go to the production values of the show. They were heard, They were uh, presented in Port Hermione, California, USA, which is also the home to Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, a famed US TV show on the West Coast there that's been... Uh, the home of Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana and other big names in the US indie circuit for a long time. I'm assuming they used some of the similar production crew. Um, And it was presented by Kevin Kelly and returning to New Japan for the first time in a long time, Alex Kozlov, former forever hooligan and member of Chaos uh, with, of course, Rocky Romero. Uh, Kozlov's commentary wasn't great. He's taking a while to settle. But as he quite point quite clearly points out, English is his third language, which does beg the question, why would you ask Alex Coslock to do commentary? He wasn't great. Kevin Kelly was as good as he normally is, but he was still trying to find a groove with the new partner. Obviously, they couldn't have Gino, and Chris is also not available as he's stuck in England. So Chris couldn't be there. Chris uh, uh Chris, who normally does the commentary for New Japan Pronounce, his second name has completely gone out of my head. Chris Charlton, there you go. <laughs> Chris Charlton couldn't be there because he's in England. But Chris Charlton was doing link shows in a in a kind of like Talking Smack format show after the
1: show. Um, what
0: were your thoughts on Mr. Kozlov and Mr. Kelly working together?
1: Yeah, this was my, uh, I guess, first time, you know, with Mr. Kozlov. And he, like I did, he did okay. Like you say, it wasn't the best, clearly. And then, you know, now I found out that he is his third language, which I guess in some, in some regards, that's a humble brag. <laughs> um, but uh yeah i mean you know um and, and kudos to kevin Kelly, who always does a great job i always appreciate him um you know doing the english commentary he set up he lied him a lot of a lot of balls and i thought caslaw you know caught him and, and and hit him when he could um but it you know kevin you know was, was doing a, a, most of the heavy lifting you know like you said he felt like most of the show they was finding the groove but it did help that um Alex did have some r- rapport and, and history with a lot of wrestlers, specifically somebody that, you know, in hindsight, it, it might have been a good idea to try to get um, Romero to be doing this with uh, Kelly. But, you know, we, we found out in the last match he's wearing, like, 10 different hats all at once. <laughs> so commentary might have been that one thing he that, that might have been a little too much for him. Um, I think for, I- for, yeah.
0: I would suggest that he perhaps probably had an awful large-handed road agenting this particular show as well. In fact, I won't be surprised if he produced the entire thing because he's the only real member of the New Japan front office who's available in North America at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the front office at New Japan is a big place but of the ones you are likely to know about, Ghetto, Jedo. Uh, Tiger Hattori and Rocky Romero. Essentially, Rocky Romero is being trained to be Tiger Hattori's replacement when Tiger Hattori retires completely from pro wrestling. He's still around. He's still doing agent work for New Japan Pro Wrestling but Rocky is kind of like the handler and he looks after a lot of the in talent and he does a lot of road agent work um, and that's where he gets put in charge of people like Roppongi 3K on screen and in the background. He's there to give them an edge. So yeah, Rocky is kind of like a bit of a a man in demand in New Japan pro wrestling. I bet they all they were awfully glad he didn't go with good Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson and Shinsuke and Nakamura and AJ Styles four years ago. <laughs> or five years ago. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway,
0: let's think, get to wrestling. Sorry.
1: No, I was saying I think in that regard even Romero sees the writing on the wall when it comes to, to the particular uh road to travel over here. So I think you know <laughs> you know he's best served in New Japan where he can be appreciated for being a multi tool player. So. Exactly. Right then, the actual point of this
0: show was to showcase the New Japan Cup USA. For the first time, a New Japan Cup would appear outside of Japan, and this time it would be for a shot at the United States Championship, just as the New Japan Cup winner had got a shot at Tetsuya Naito, with all the emotion that brings back from the fucking months ago. I thought, oh, evil. What were you doing, evil? Anyway, the opening match featured another Bullet Club member, Kenta He defeated Carl Fredericks in 9 minutes and 59 seconds. Carl Fredericks, no longer a young lion, but as he starts his journey to try and stabilize himself on the New Japan roster, he comes back with a new look based on his indigenous roots as a Native American. What's your thoughts on Carl Fredericks' new look and this match with Kenta, who looked impressive in the first round?
1: Yeah, I like it. Um, You know, thinking about it, this may have been one of my, if not my favorite uh, matches, just because of, you know... um, you know, the setup and how, it you know, was executed, but, you know, in terms of calls look, you know, I dig it. I mean, you know, obviously the young lines are, you know, one of the hottest things in independent terms of, you know, looking at, you know, where the future is headed. But, you know, once you graduate out of that, you do have to distinguish yourself. In that regard, I think his aesthetic, um, you know, was eight and that obviously got the red and everything. And, you know, he's a sizable guy and, you know, talking about coming out of the gate, swinging. I mean, you know, one of your first series opponents, in a tournament like this is Kenta, I mean, you, you know, there is no better test. Unfortunately, um, you kind of went into this thinking he could trade with, um, you know, uh, you know, a shot assassin, if you will, in Kenta. It's <laughs> not <laughs> necessarily goes with God bless him, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, um, it's not a good idea. I don't care if, you know, Kenta is rocking, you know, a, a soccer mom, Bob, he, he will knock you out.
0: <laughs> Actually, I was... Uh... I was looking at something the other day. Who was it? Uh, yeah, I watched the old Bones Brigade Paul Peralta uh, skateboard videos from the 80s. And Kenta's hair is very reminiscent of Steve Cavalero's hair from the early 1980s. Just thought I'd lay that out there. Paying tribute to the Bones Brigade, I feel. But maybe not. <laughs> yeah, Kenta asserted his dominance over the younger Carl Fredericks. So Carl Fredericks has a lot of potential, I think. I yeah. would like to have seen it slightly less on the nose with the nod to the Native American heritage, it's slightly too to for my liking. Mm. Yeah. But that's just me. That's quite Can Wear what he wants, as long as he has good wrestling matches and he's doing a good job. Interestingly, all of these matches were time limit with no time limit matches. One to infinity is the graphic set, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> The next matchup was Jeff Cobb versus Tangaloa. I haven't seen Jeff Cobb in a while in the New Japan ring. Not since uh, the World Tag League. Eight minutes and 45 seconds for a win for big Jeff Cobb over Tangaloa. A a big, big mashup of two Polynesians and they just hit each other really hard. And I'm all for that. That was excellent. Just the kind of smash mouth offense I do appreciate even if no one else does because no one's voted for it on cage match. Somebody go vote for it on cage match. It was good. What
1: was your thoughts, Marcus? Um, I dug it. I mean, you know, uh, as far as you can talk about the last match, it kind of felt like at times Kenner was often still treating Carbridge like he was a, a young lion. Um, <laughs> Probably with, was. Yeah, yeah. But, but with this one, this was just two horses going at it. You know, Jeff Carb was looking great. Uh, Tonga way way does as well. But, um, you know, it's definitely interesting because I don't always get to see Laura uh, in, in singles action. So this was uh, interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I dug the the horse action and uh, you know um hopefully we get to see more of law in, in, in singles so he can kind of develop in certain avenues as his brother has. But yeah, this this was a good stuff. Like i got I, I like to see these go these two go again somewhere, uh maybe in a longer format. But uh yeah, I, I kinda knew ahead of time that Kyle was probably gonna pull this one out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think this is this I'd like to see these two again. I like Tangalora as a singles wrestler. I've only seen him in a little bits of singles matches back when he was in Impact Wrestling with Drew McIntyre and Eli Drake is what was the name of that faction?
1: Yeah, that was the rising. His name was
0: There we Michael. go, that's it. <laughs> Micah, yes, now yeah, lost impact wrestling factions is a book in itself. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah. And they've, they've all gone to do gone on to do really well, most notably since they left Impact Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, Tangaloa and Jeff Cobb was a, a nice piece of work. It was very, very good. And uh, maybe it's just us two. Maybe it's just something we like. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. Now, the big subject of pro wrestling in Europe certainly has been the Speaking Out movement. And as Emily Pratt quite rightly pointed out in her review of this, uh, particular show, it does feel like they managed to dump all the problematic people into one program so you can watch the other New Japan stuff and not worry about it. Um, Chase Owens was embroiled before all the uh, all Lives matter in Brigalio that he went and got himself into on Twitter. He was also accused of talking to and trying to gain relationships with underage girls and was not been investigated and he hasn't been suspended and he's wrestling. Um, And that probably isn't a good look for New Japan Pro Wrestling at this time, especially considering some of the other people that are on the show. Having said that, this match was a pretty good match. Dave Finley is a solid worker. Chase Owens is one of the people we've raved about for a long time, about how great a professional wrestler he is. And such a solid performer, regardless of what accusations are against him, I think he's great. I wouldn't particularly want to see him on TV right now. That's not good business. But it does seem to be the New Japan way of ignore it and hope it goes away, which I'm not particularly happy with as a big fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'd like to see more effort put into these things. If he's innocent, that's fine. But do the due diligence and make it look like you're having an effort. That's the issue I have at the moment. Um, And we'll probably talk about other people as well. (laughs) But for now, let's concentrate on the wrestling. Chase Owens versus Dave Fenley. Two very well-matched wrestlers of similar... Well, two very different traditions, you know, the Finley European style professional wrestling and the Southern wrestling, and they mash together well here. I think this is really good. I, I kind of nice to see Dave Finley finally getting the push he deserves. I think. What are your thoughts on this one, Marcus?
1: No, I'm again, I'm, I'm right with you. Um, it's funny enough. Um, because it's so hard. I mean, like you know, we we kind of seen a heavy snowball effect when all the. Uh, wrestling controversy was going on with, with the names. And, you know, I didn't know anything about Chase Owens until you just said it. So um, I guess it was a benefit. And, you know, thinking about it now, it's a benefit because it didn't it taint my view of this match. It felt mm-hmm. like we saw these guys so much in the past in terms of them being really good, but not necessarily getting the spotlight to always show to be people in the forefront. Uh, so I could appreciate these two, you know, coming together and clashing like this, you know, I guess without that, that dim lighted. Um, but it is good to see somebody like Dave Finley kind of break out with, it, with a unique personality that can, you know, complement the skill that we've always seen in him. Clash with Owens, who I think on commentary, uh, I don't know if it was Carl or of Kelly saying he kind of adopted that Gato sneaky style. <laughs> so that, I think that was a good clash with, you know, like you said, Finley's more European efforts. But uh, I'm glad it was Finley that, you know, um, pulled out the win here. Uh, specifically because Bullet Club tactics can uh, always take a precedent um, in terms of, of crowning the win, and this was a Bullet Club-heavy show. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. um, it's cool to see you finally you know, pull it out with that prima Noctur finish, and uh, definitely glad he got the win in hindsight now. You know, <laughs> so. yeah.
0: yeah, I think Chase is probably going to be one of those guys who's just going to continue to be employed, <laughs> and that's all we're going to do with him. Um, I. I I mean, the, the serious accusations about Osprey um, that really do need to be investigated. And certainly, he needs to put a much better apology together for the things that he's done, uh, or the things that he's been accused of. And seeing him on adverts is also leaves a bit of a bit of taste in my mouth. I think uh, Will Osprey is one of the best wrestlers this country's ever produced. He's acted like a jerk from time to time. And you can't keep using the excuse, oh, but he's only a young lad. He isn't. He's 27 years old. Yeah. there you go and it's like you should know the total and you should know right from wrong and that's that's it that's really what you should do but anywho that's a story for another day let's talk wrestling because it's the bit that depresses me about this program
1: because everything else is
0: fine <laughs> but <laughs>
1: this Except when you're facing Brody King, it's not fine. (laughs)
0: Except when you're facing Brody King, it is definitely not fine. Big lad, Brody King, and he will bounce you around a ring. And Tama Tonga found out. But managed to sneak out a victory in the end. 7 minutes and 14 seconds. In a corker, I would put this as possibly my match of the first round. I love watching Brody King wrestle. I think he's great. I love watching Tama Tonga wrestle. And it was a nice kind of smaller, faster guy versus a big monster. I thought that was a lot of fun to watch. And Tama Tonga, being the best defensive wrestler in the business, was the ideal person to give Brody King a good match. Brody King not losing out on anything, but Tama Tonga getting the win. So what are your thoughts on this one, Marcus?
1: This this is a strange play to me because the minute I saw Tonga on the thing, I'm like, that's my guy. I got to you know, Tonga for the win all the way. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, you know, New Japan had other plans, but when it came to this, And maybe it's because I'm used to seeing, you know, Tama kind of take control, as they said, with the defense, but, you know, his maneuverability. And then when it comes to the house, you know, house side of things with the muscle, I'm used to seeing lower come in and take that part. So, you know, it was kind of weird seeing him kind of ragdolled a little bit. Um, Because, you know, he really wasn't able to get into all all his Tama swag on it because obviously he had to, you know, try to stay conscious. So... Hmm. um, but this was, like you said, it was a great clash of styles. Rody King, I mean, from the minute he steps through that curtain, is a scary guy. And <laughs> specifically in that last tag match, he is a very tall and thick boy. And um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a problem if he, you know, when he uh, breaks out on his own. Um, and maybe goes more so, I guess, that archer route, if you will. But yeah, this was a great test for, for Tonga. But, he, you know, he pulled it out with that, you know. That gun stunt, which can, you know, be the ultimate equalizer. So it was good that he, you know, survived his first round. This is also, of course, that
0: um, we now know that villain Enterprises no longer exists because Marty Skull is also being investigated by Ring of Honor and therefore no longer head booker at Ring of Honor, nor performing as a talent for, again, things that have been accused of during the Speaking Out movement. This is going to be a theme through this particular show. But let's move on to night two. Uh, That started with a tag match. Barrett Brown and Logan Regal defeated Clark Connors and Jordan Clearwater in seven minutes and three seconds. A lot of this stuff has come from bookings of local California wrestlers who wouldn't normally get this kind of international presence, really. I mean, they were getting used a lot on the Lions Break shows, uh, Lions Pride shows. Was it Lions Break? Yeah, Lions Break shows. Whether the young talent from the LA dojo and the Japanese dojo were showcased individually, not everyone uh, gets on those shows, but a lot of local indie talent are brought in to fill out the cards, and it's kind of that kind of feel with these matches. And nothing wrong with this, perfectly acceptable professional wrestling match that I was quite fond of. What did you think of it,
1: Marcus? Again, I'm right behind you. I didn't, you know, I'm not uh, familiar with any of these boys, but it is uh, good to see. That New Japan is is open to bringing in this town. Obviously, it's a um, like you said, more so uh, a match of circumstance. But um, you know, you, you take what you get, and then these guys, you know, have an opportunity to be shown on, on a wide stage, even if there's nobody in said building to uh, witness it. Um, like you said, this is perfectly you know suitable match, and maybe we'll see these guys more in the states or more upcoming shows. You know, I doubt you know, they'll turn down all opportunities. So, you know, like you said, it, it was something to pull a slot, but it it was, uh, wasn't was wasn't bad, you know, just you know, solid.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're running with a limited roster. They obviously can't use all of the dojo guys because they want to kind of present them in the right way. Um, hence the reason why you get people like Clark Connors, who's probably the top end of the dojo guy uh, group at the moment. So you don't mind having me on TV. He was in the Lions Cup last year. But you want to kind of uh, you want to use some different guys. And it's it's an opportunity to give people some uh, space on TV you might want to use. Should you get stuck in this situation again? You might have to have a best of Super Juniors USA. You might have to have a G1 USA if you're not careful, if you don't get things cleaned up soon. So yeah it's it's trying to build a roster on short notice and they pick the right guys to do the job with and obviously they've got lots of connections into the southern california indie scene and certainly if they're working in the same kind of spots as uh, um, pro wrestling from hollywood then i'm sure they'd be given a hand and given some suggestions as well as people who were already in the scene who work in in new japan that can give them some tips um so yeah it was good uh, the next matchup was a bit more serious. We had Blake Christian, Mysterioso, PJ Black AC, versus ACH, Alex Zane, and TJP, or as I call it, some of the best aerial wrestlers in the world, and TJP. Seven minutes and 55 seconds <laughs> of a very good aerial wrestling match. Yeah, I don't like TJP. But it's, it's, again, it's this the men's rights, right wing, all women are horrible, banners of TJP. His wrestling's all right. He's not like brilliant, but he's, he, he's got a lot further than he perhaps should have done. I don't know. But there you go. Um, but again, he's, he's a new Japan guy. He was trained at the original LA dojo about 10 years ago. Uh, ACH, nice to see him back on nationalized or international television in a role he deserves. Alex Zane is a lot person that I've heard an awful lot about in the last few weeks. And I can see why he lived up to the potential uh, from what people have been telling me. So what are your thoughts on this one, Marcus,
1: you know, I dug this for several different reasons. First off, um, again, uh, kind of my introduction with Blake Christian and specifically Mysterioso and no disrespect to him, but when I immediately saw him I was like I was like Damn Carl buffed up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean like you said, this was this was some great aerial action. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a while since I saw PJ Black. Um I think last time may have been either New Japan or Ring of Honor, I think more so Ring of Honor. Um Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, we. I have to see TJP on a weekly basis because I watch Impact. Uh, <laughs> Alex Zane is my introduction with him. But uh, it was definitely good specifically to see ACH in uh, good spirits. Yes, uh, yes. As he had his own bits of controversy. Uh, thankfully, it didn't have nothing to do with being a creep. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, It was good to, to see Good to see him in good spirits because I didn't um, know if I'd actually see him wrestling again. So, you know, uh, yeah, this was just some some really great, like you said, aerial action and uh, with, with TJP around. So. He did spend a lot of time. He's done
0: a couple of best of Super Junior Tag Leagues, hasn't he, in recent years. I can't I think he was tagging with Kashida. I think. Or was he? I can't remember. But he, he's done a lot of work for New Japan in, in recent years. I think New Japan are quite gladly have him back on a regular basis. Um, and because he had his run with Ring of Honor as well, um, but yeah, uh, but it was nice to see him back. And this was very good and showcased the individuals they were trying to showcase, and that's the important thing. PJ Black, I've been watching for so long now, and I just wonder when he's going to catch on somewhere where for a long period of time, like he should do, to have a proper run. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing. You know, he's great. He's amazing. He's a really good wrestler and a storyteller, but he never seems to get the uh, long-term run he needs to be able to establish himself somewhere.
1: Yeah, same same, uh, same, with me. And I definitely want, you know, something to catch on with him before he, you know, um, goes one day, a devil's still too many, in the, in, you know, outside the ring. Because this guy, you know, he's always uh, jumping or parasailing sailing a, a, you know, uh, skydiving off something. So, you know. <laughs> okay, the next
0: up was Dave Finley versus Tama Tonga in the first semifinal of the New Japan Cup. Seven minutes and ten seconds, Dave Finley takes the win. There is a story. Did you hear the story about um their fathers in WCW?
1: No, I didn't. What what is what is it?
0: Okay, so um there was they'd signed Haku. I'm pretty sure it was this way around. They'd signed Haku. No. They'd signed Dave but that was it. They had Dave Finley and they signed Haku from the WWE room and he was Hardcore champion or something along those lines, and just left. I oh, know it was either way. That was the other way when he was hardcore champion so So they'd signed. They had Dave finley in the locker room, and they'd signed Haku. And uh, what happened was, Haku walked into the dressing room, and Paul Finlay turned him around. Now, obviously, Dave finley and Haku have the reputation for being the two toughest men in professional wrestling, like of all time ever like there as jake roberts said about haku um you've got a gun and a tank and you're stood in front of haku and he wants to kill you what do you do well you shoot yourself in the head because the tank might miss
1: Oh, <laughs> well, that's great
0: yes so and dave finley the third that's dave finley from new japan's dad used to break people's thumbs to prove that pro wrestling was real He's calmed down a bit since then. So these two are in the dressing room and uh, Haku goes up to Finley and turns him around by the shoulder. And the entire locker room has this sharp intake of breath because they're genuinely convinced that someone might die. And then Haku sticks his hand out and Dave Finley shakes it. <laughs> and everyone in the dressing room is like, <sighs> What <laughs> what happened was Eric Bischoff had talked to Finley and Haku and set it up just to see what the reaction would be.
1: Oh wow! That's, oh, that's <laughs> just just,
0: just ripped boys. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just, just for the face footage. I love it. Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> but Dave Finley and Thomasonga, the the next generation of this particular uh, ongoing story, still both of them tough as nails uh this was a much more refined affair than perhaps haku and dave finley senior could have put together um <laughs> god dave finley senior is one of the smoothest wrestlers i ever knew but he, he had a reputation for being in our case um so this but this was smooth and this was great i really enjoyed this and again no one likes own cage match but it just worked for me this is the kind of wrestling match i want to see on a raw regular basis seven minutes and ten seconds what are your thoughts on this one marcus
1: I really dug it. Like I said, you know, we've been championed Dave Finley uh, for a long time, and obviously, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of tomatonga Tonga. Not used to seeing him this literal baby-faced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've we, we, we were all tried out new things during this this quarantine stuff. So, But, yeah, I, I really dug this. This was some good, you know, back-and-forth affair. Um, like I said, none of these uh, matches necessarily went a tremendous amount of length but they didn't necessarily need to either. Um, you know, this this again came down to the pre-monocular thing and the gun stunner. And I was surprised, obviously, because um, I was pulling for tongue all the way, but you know, um, I think in terms of story, in terms of building things, you know, the momentum is kind of behind, you know, somebody like a Finley. You know, mm. who's kind of chipping away, as we, we've talked about for the longest now, chipping away at carving out his own thing for a while. Now, like I said, he feels like you know, he, he's gone around the personality, the master skill to stand out. So, but, you know, you know, Tonga is no um, easy match for anybody, you know, as well as Brody King found out. So you know, this, <laughs> this was a good, good uh, affair and, and really pointed you to where this, this tournament could end up. So. I think this is the
0: thing. I think Dave Finley always well, kind of debuted on the main roster around about the same, same time as Juice Robinson. And Juice Robinson was obviously going to be a star in the end. You know he was kind of like part of the dojo, but he was, you know, um, he kind of developed into a main main play star fairly quickly. And Dave Finley was a proper dojo boy. He went through the whole system um, but didn't go off on an excursion. And then he had the big shoulder injury. He has three months or six months off. and when he comes back, he suddenly starts building this momentum, but he actually looks more of a capable main event wrestler than Juice does right now. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and that's it, weird. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna say that his his uh, days rise kind of reminds me of Juice's. Um, yeah. To to your point, the reason I think a lot of in a lot of ways Juice benefited so much is because he did have that excursion where he just he was in the doldrums and he came back from that and he completely changed his look his personality get the flamboyance that not not a lot of times people are used to um he's unapologetic about it and then when you put him in that underdog category it's not too many people that settle as good as him mm. uh, but in, in terms like you said of of, of technical prowess lineage and, and and sheer you know uh execution you know you got to get at the friendly it's just you know um, uh, Maybe the same path, different shoes type of deal?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Finley's a New Japan wrestler. He flows a lot more. Juice is more like a spot wrestler. He's a bit more Randy Orton to him, if you see what I mean.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's always building to a spot, whereas Finley just flows. And it's unfair to compare the two because they're two different styles of wrestlers that came from two different approaches, even though they're tag team together. But there is a, there's a flow to Dave Finley. That I think people are starting to get the momentum behind that and how it all fits together and how it all works. He is the babyface equivalent of what his dad did basically 30 years ago, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know. And it, it's it was just, it's just interesting to me how I think Finley could be the big breakout star of this year if he's given the chance to. And COVID probably didn't help, but he's yeah. been given the opportunities because he's got he's the right person to do the job with. He's kind of lucky in one sense that Juice is out injured at the moment, only wouldn't get these highlights because this is an ideal spot for Juice. Final of the New Japan Cup, underdog. Yeah, that's an ideal juice spot. But David has taken it and he's done his own thing with it and it's worked really well. Yeah. So let's talk the other finalists so where we get to the final. Jeff Cobb versus Kenta. 14 minutes and 38 seconds. Kind of a mismatch of styles. The smash mouth Jeff Cobb, the suplex machine, the amateur wrestler versus the strike heavy kicker in kenta it wasn't perfect it was a bit long for what it was when all the other matches have gone seven or eight minutes having said that it told the story they were trying to tell of kenta getting the win by any means necessary it was a bit more entertainment and showbiz from new japan which they kind of need for an american show that they're trying to appeal to american audience with but also it kind of follows the storyline of what Bullet Club have been up to. And Kevin Kelly McCullough comes on and tell, says the next week this has Jay White's fingerprints all over it. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was good. I thought this was an interesting match. It was not It was a bit like watching Kenta last year where he wasn't really gunning on all cylinders. But I think it was probably because he hadn't wrestled Jeff Cobb before. And But this was good. I liked this. What's your thoughts on it, Marcus?
1: yeah this this match was interesting i was definitely looking forward to this match and, and, and there were elements uh, in it that, that i was looking forward to it didn't necessarily get executed 100 percent all the way to the end like i was expecting it to um but there are a lot of elements that that are interesting obviously jeff cobb is is you know that guy like you said that that, that island that olympian that's just gonna bring it to you and make you step your, your game up but kenta is like you know he's coming into this and like you said last year it was interesting watching him like like he wasn't necessarily wrapping up on all sentences. I think a lot of that was kind of him just picking back up, you know, uh, some momentum and, and kind of finding himself after yeah. being in the doldrums where it's now, it's like everything we're seeing him now is because he's comfortable, he's having fun and his purpose. Was like, you see my hair, you think I care? And that's basically what he said. <laughs> I, I, and, um, you know, with Cobb, it's funny because you know, he's a part of Bullet Club now and, and a lot of what went on in this match kind of reminded me of why, like uh, the G1 when 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 uh, we got all that Bullet Club interference? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except here, Kenta his is his own interference. Like, <laughs> you know, we got a lot of shenanigans with the ref towards the end, and I just kept saying to myself, and I don't know if you was on the same island. I was like. Why does he keep if the if the point of it is to nail a low blow, why does he keep waiting for him to face him? Like just kick him from the behind. Like he just, like, <laughs> just, like two, three times. I'm like just low blow him from behind. Like but um yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Like I said, the, the whole narrative is, you know, just in Bullet Club now and he's he's gonna get it by any means necessary, you know. He's not gonna give you all these go to sleeps. He's gonna, you know, low blow the guy and then, then roll you up and then it's interesting, like you said, Kevin. Dropping the the concept of you know um, Jay White having his fingerprints over you know all these little things and I'm thinking like okay now we got Evil, Kenta, and uh, you know Jay White three alpha male type of personalities. Um, and even though uh, I guess the concept of Bullet Club is for them to not to have a definitive leader, it is always interesting when you get three guys like this kind of going back and forth between those pod dynamics. We think the guy with the two belts you the big kahuna, then you got somebody like Jay White um, meticulously playing in the background. You know, so. I, I, believe, I believe Dolly Davis at wrestle
0: Talk described Bullet Club should have a flat management structure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yes, let's move on to the third night, and which started off with a match with Rocky Romero and Adrian Quest. They defeated Danny Limelight and DKC in nine minutes and 57 seconds. Rocky getting some stick from uh, Kelly and Kozlov that he'd been on a bit of a losing streak which he had in Japan but this was a kind of a, another kind of way to showcase Danny Limelight the DKC and Adrian Quest Rocky Romero putting a bit of rub on them for this and it was it was good for it, it was really impressed with Danny Limelight DKC is an interesting wrestler because he's kind of like a kind of like a shoot a mat wrestler and in the junior heavyweights we haven't really seen that in new japan for a while i mean i suppose like red dragon were the guys who were the last guys in the new japan junior division who really tried that approach but kushida as well but kushida's more of a well-rounded professional wrestler as dkc is much more of a straight-up shooter so that was an interesting kind of little you know variation on a theme of professional wrestling i greatly appreciate it and it was a fun match to watch adrian quest is very good and danny is very good as well what's your thoughts on this one marcus
1: yeah, no, I I dug this match a lot. You know, this was uh, also my introduction with Quest and, and Limelight DKC. But I definitely dug the tag team stylings of of Limelight and DKC. Uh, I don't know how long they've been tagging, or you know, this was their first time. Where I thought they had a, a lot of good chemistry, and and Limelight in a lot of ways, he definitely lives up to his name because he was definitely trying <laughs> to be in the match. He kind of reminded me of Chris Bay. Um, yeah. I- you know in that in that regard where you know obviously he's uber talented it can it seem like he can literally pull off anything he wants to but can definitely be his own worst enemy at times um and dkc looked really good and i think that's kind of what this match was doing and, and officer romero being a veteran is always great at putting themselves in positions and not only uh show himself up but also get over you know other guys like this so quest looked good as well and, and obviously okay you know, down to the romero kind of got off that slump you know so that was that was also <laughs> even you with know, those hats. But it was good. I'm, I hope to see you know, Limelight DKC again. I think they could uh, be good in, in a uh, tag tournament. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I,
0: I'm not sure if they'll... I'm not sure if they could Well, it'd be nice to have an opportunity for them to do it. I'm not sure they could cut it at that level for a month, which is what they'd have to do in the tag tournament. But we could see. I and mean, I don't think they're terrible. They're not they are not awful. But they've yeah. got a lot of experience. But they, I think You've got off a really good team. You've got a really good individual wrestlers or really good teams to make it to best of Super Juniors. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up was a straight tag match. Chase Owens and the return of Jay White, who hasn't wrestled since March. This was an interesting match. Those two tagging together against Brody King and Flip Gordon. Uh, Well, sorry, Flip the mercenary Gordon. Because obviously, I'm going to hire a mercenary called Flip. (laughs) You're going to change his name to the Mercenary Flip, Gordon. Oh, yeah, strike fear into my heart. Why don't you? Oh,
1: God. Like, who's at the door with that with that jacket on looking fearsome? Oh, no, don't worry about this old flat earth flip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. right. Anyway, but, yeah, him and Brody King actually are not a bad team. <laughs> they work pretty well together. Um. And, yeah, Chase Owens and Jay White again, work very well together. This was a pretty good wrestling match, but it was more or less just a wrestling match to set up another singles match between Brodie King and Jay White, which I am all for. Let's be honest, that sounds corking and I'm quite happy to have that. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, for all the, the, the flag that we uh, rifled it so gear Flip. It was cool seeing him. <laughs> he's he's hossed up a little bit. And I do think he is a, a good tandem with, with King, who was just itching to get that high tag. And obviously, Owen's you know and jay white also leading the way it's been a while since i've seen white but you know clearly he hasn't skipped a beat in terms of you know the, the just sheer, sh- sheer shenanigans that he gets up uh I, I i dug it it was a, it was a cool affair obviously king looked great here uh um, you know like you said if it was the only thing this master to do was you know match right between king and white, i'm definitely looking forward to that like um trying to see him lock in that, that blade runner on white is going to be interesting specifically because he tried to hit on Gordon and as cool as that move is, it's not necessarily the thing that's, you know, like a blade runner out of nowhere type of mm-hmm. deal. He could have had like a jump and cutter or something, but it kind of looked awkward when he tried to hit it like he did. But, you know, again, Jay white with the, with the puppet master type of deal. So, but, uh, he might, he might actually get his face rearranged when he goes into King again. So, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I am
0: too. This could be corking. This is kind of ideal kind of big man, small man kind of thing because Jay White is one of the best wrestlers in the world and Brodie King wants to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. They have different ways of going about the same job and that's the story I want to see. Even if this just did set that up for this, to be honest with you. Uh, the main event of the evening was Kenta versus Dave Finley for the New Japan Cup US final match and the opportunity to face John Moxley for the United IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. This was very good. It wasn't like absolute peak New Japan main event level which I was hoping it would be because that's really kind of what you need to make this show worthwhile. Sure, but it sure. told the story it needed to tell. It could have gone 10 minutes longer. And very rarely do I say matches should go longer, but this needed that 20, 25 minute plus New Japan, New Japan main event kind of show feel to it, which is really hard to do in an empty arena. You can't really, you know, try and do a card or a card or nato in an empty arena and see how it comes off. <laughs> it won't won't be that good. um But with no crowd to kind of like react against, it's really hard to do these kind of matches. So I'm not really complaining too much. <laughs>